0: Okay, now we have it. This is what it is right now. We have what we call the, uh, oops, start of the, uh, hmm, I think it's called the reskilling event for October 2019. I'm uh, recording it on Audacity uh, on my laptop and also uh, just the uh, voice recorder on my cell phone. So therefore, because of those things, it's called a podcast, and all podcasts have to start with music, right?
1: easier than doing that, even
0: though I don't know how it sounds, probably not all that great, but that's fine. All it does is just introduce the concept, and we have now considered ourselves as having introduced the concept. So the next thing we go on to is uh, go to our slide set after we introduce everybody who's in the room here at the Portland Library on the second Tuesday of the month, which happens to be October Eighth, and, um, I'm trying to see if I can get better viewing of this, which is perfectly fine, I'm getting it up on the screen, on the wall, and, uh, and I've turned it into a, a PDF, so it's not so taxing on my computer, which takes a little longer with the uh, PowerPoints, so um, I'm, I'm looking pretty good, but then again, there's this little thing on the side, which I guess I'll just ignore and work through as it goes and let's see uh, it's been several months since a reskilling event has been held I think last like two months ago there was a problem probably associated with maybe a uh, out of town doing totally different things uh, with family and then last month I was ill enough so that I wasn't able to really prepare and uh, didn't really feel like um, thinking real deeply. So I just uh, had lots of songs that I sang and they're posted up uh, for last month's reskilling uh, uh, and blog. And then uh, this one right here will also be posted uh, when it's uh, completed and I get around to it. The website is metageny.com slash reskill and metageny is spelled M-E-T-A-G-E-N-Y. Dot .com slash reskill, R-E-S-K-I-L-L, and that's just a little blog place to go ahead and uh, and put lots of uh, thoughts, because anybody can pretty much do that these days, and I choose to do it just like everybody else can. <clears throat> the uh, reskilling, reusing uh, event has a great um, genesis, came by per, per, for a very interesting reason, which you can't go into now because it's just going <clears> to <throat> take too much time. But now it's kind of turned into reskilling, reusing, life hacking, uh, resilience, r- refusing, redressing, rescuing, and renewing and redoing. They're pretty much re-everything. Or, um, yeah, just kind of a, a retreat. So that's how that goes. And the beautiful thing is that, yes, we're in Portland, Oregon. Learn how to reskill in X, Y, and Z, but the whole idea of fractal theory—it's a mathematical concept that the same things that are small, uh, that are that are happening in the small, also happens in the large. And uh, so, if we can get ourselves down into um, the nitty-gritty of uh, uh, starting a process of sharing with each other what we're using and everything else is. At the uh, micro level, we can also do that at the uh, macro level as well, and goodness knows that uh, humans are much used to um, going back and forth in a, you know, a family, small town, village setting for hundreds of thousands of years. But uh, what we're doing now, a planet-wide thing, never been done before, so uh, fractal to the rescue or else uh, nothing as far as I'm concerned. So what do we do with this second slide here that I have? called fractal re-themes, uh, are about <clears throat> about 14 different areas. So we just try to touch every part of our life, uh, like our, you know what our physical environment is, what our mental scape is, uh, our sociality, and uh, all kinds of um, things like that. So let's get started right in on it, because every month we're on to something else. Most of the time, uh, the next slide, has to do with the idea that ideas can be spoken of and we can talk about, uh, oh, wouldn't it be nice if this, that, or the other? But the project, um, you know, the ideas turn into projects like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we did this or that, uh, either physically or socially or in some other way? And so the whole idea of project management comes in. So the slide here is all about um, the importance of uh, project management, to um, make sure that any project that is embarked uh, is highly successful, including uh, all aspects uh, as mentioned there, like integration, scope, timing, cost, quality, re- human resources, communication, risk, and procurement, for starters, uh, and then there's other uh, parameters, too, uh, that, uh, that are not in scope, but it, it certainly shows itself quickly. Uh, when talking about these things, that anything can turn into a project. In fact, anything can just stop and then uh, just move into that. But we try uh, to just skim and uh, leave the the project management stuff to the interested student. Okay, this next slide is some Something I've been thinking about is the reskilling. One way to think about it is that uh, we're reskilling our hardware, which is um, a hard things, physical and software, which is uh, how we uh, how we build it in uh, in terms of do we do things and social wear, which is how we uh, think about things in, in um, society and interactions with each other and mind wear. Which is uh, inside our own brains how we how we uh, look about and interact with the world, right? Uh, so uh, there's some question that I've had in the past, like reskilling. You're having a reskilling event at the library, huh? Well, I didn't even know what that means, and so there's always a question of, oh, well, maybe the wording of the this or that is the problem. Uh, but here's what the uh, Internet says in terms of uh, the definition of reskilling, which is upskilling, reskilling, retraining, even new skilling. These are words used uh, interchangeably for the process of preparing workers for jobs that require technical skills along with creativity, interpersonal skills, adaptability, and uh, the capacity to continue learning. And so I would not only just say preparing workers, but preparing uh, people in um, lifelong learning. That being said, I am now to the point where I like to uh, jump in uh, to what kind of has been uh, on my mind that hit me in terms of potential uh, reskilling and uh, some uh, features that I think would be uh, interested, interesting to uh, others and not just myself. So since last week, I certainly did spend a lot of time uh, with the um, uh, music, just singing song after song, I guess. Uh, I thought a little bit about uh, some interesting <clears throat> musicians that really are off on the on a unique tangent, and I came up with one, which is uh, Tom Chapin, who is the brother of... Uh, um, the other Chapin fella uh, who wrote The Cats in the Cradle. Um, and I was, uh, uh, it's easy to remember, but I don't remember right now. And so his brother, Tom Chapin, came up with a uh, uh, nice song that I sang at the family reunion here a couple of months ago, which is uh, We're a Family Tree, and I think I probably played it last month. Uh, but it came, came from Tom, and he's got another album, Give Peas a Chance. So it's uh, whole grain music for free range earthlings. It's a bunch of uh, children's songs, so why not? Um, and one, that, one song that I particularly like the words to it, I mean, the, the uh, singing and all that stuff is kind of simplistic, but the words are great for kids, to listen to, like, when you stand at the sink, did you ever think about the running water down the drain that it used to be in the deep blue sea, and before that, it was rain. So he goes on and on. The title of the story, the uh, song is, Someone's Gonna Use It. which talks about being uh, healthy, uh, clean, having clean water, etc. you know, aqua-mindedness, maybe. So... Uh, Again, the music is probably an important uh, thing to keep in mind in terms of not only finding what other people are interested in but supporting uh, what you find as important. I think I ran across another musical group which I want to look into a little bit uh, called the Anarchitects, which is to um, structure a world uh, where... There's not so much uh, leadership from above and getting everything from, uh, from the powers that be above, but more from doing it yourself and not really having uh, so much uh, hierarchical, centralized power. So that's kind of a fun name for a group and architects. So I'll look into that later, I'm sure. But still, the idea of uh, music is very important. And then Tom Chapin, as I did a little more study about the guy, and he's still alive, uh, is that he has moved also from children's songs into storytelling, and just this past weekend, in eastern Tennessee, there was a national storytelling festival, and I went to the website this weekend, and I pulled down one of their live streams, and just heard lots of interesting uh, stories uh, of all kinds of uh, different Ways to bring about um, the human flow of of, uh, of what a story is, and uh, it, it's the best way to go about describing it is to just experience it, experience it, and listen to uh, how storytellers uh, weave uh, weave ideas in with uh, your mind and sensibilities. But that can happen. You know, storytelling, it's a skill that doesn't have to be only done in eastern Tennessee in the first full weekend of October. You can also do it in uh, anywhere you can get a microphone and a spotlight and some Wi-Fi. Uh, You can also have a storytelling uh, event uh, and broadcast it live if you want to, uh, and archive it up on YouTube. So all these things are always possible. And can be done at a local level because we have uh, satellites spinning, uh, and we can uh, have we have the uh, internet. And one of the things that when I was listening to the storytelling festival, and then uh, this uh, slide that I have here is the website storytellingcenter.net/festival. Is, uh, is when they were breaking up, saying, "Okay, now it's you know time to go have lunch." They said. Uh, Okay, be kind to one another, and right now I'm wearing a Be Kind shirt, and uh, and uh, we got lots of them disseminated at the last uh, family reunion that I went to earlier this summer, lots of Be Kind shirts, which is uh, not a a bad thing to promulgate if you're going to be promoting something. So uh, other big events that kind of happened uh, recently that can also happen locally is something called uh, the world's biggest potluck that was held in Iroquois Park on September 15th. And I didn't go probably because I was maybe still a little bit sick. Yeah. Uh, but it's, and I, the idea is to bring food as well as bring an idea of what your culture is and then just around the table uh, share a little bit about your uh, history, where you came from, uh, starting with the food that you bring and then the, the who, who are you are as a person, uh, kind of uh, in a structured environment so you don't have to go too long-winded and everybody just kind of has a general sense of, uh, of goodwill towards uh, fellow human beings. All in a magical atmosphere uh, of a beautiful park uh, out in the middle of uh, you know Iroquois park, right so I guess that'll probably be next year too in mid September, which is uh, not a bad thing, so uh, you know that thing those things that are very very big can be very, very small, and also Portland could easily have a big table events like this. Uh, where everybody um, brings food. Um, there's lots of festivals in Portland from time to time, but I don't think none, any of them have people bringing food. Maybe at church uh, potlucks, but that's um, something I'm not. I need to do the more research on if I wanted to present something about that. So that's that slide and. I think I'm moving on here because I want to. And uh, so moving on from you know, socio-cultural music kind of stuff, I'll move into fitness. And I try to do fitness but fail often. But I do have at least some small victories. And the first thing, uh, this slide that I'm showing is uh, labeled fitness. It's a very large picture of a map of uh, Portland, mostly the Ohio River, over by shipping port Island. And it shows um, uh, my canoe path, and I do canoe on the Ohio River uh, downstream from the uh, dam and uh, from the lock. I, put, I turn on this software called Strava Free, and then I turn on my GPS and data, I think, yeah. And then it looked, it shows me wandering around the Ohio River back and forth, trying to make my way. And of course, it's fantastic to remember uh, what all those different wiggles and dots were along the way. And I highly recommend, of course, anyone who uh, wants to track their. Goings uh, to do that strava is something that the u s military has used at least in the past, um, so they've known that it's pretty much um, operable for um, for troops and uh, during exercises and things like that um, Another thing I n- noticed about fitness over the last few uh, whiles is that um sprinting is a thing that I recognize that I am really bad at and could get really good at and it's the only way to get good at it is to do it so if one sprints, which is sprinting is just maybe for five, ten seconds just running as fast as you possibly can it has to be kind of done outside and quickly become very tired but if you do that, like sprint, I don't know, once a week, I don't know, once every day or um, such that, like that, you, or maybe you have a sprinting time where you do uh, 10 sprints a session or maybe 100 sprints a session. So there's no limit to how much sprinting you can do, but it does activate your muscles to uh, go really fast and hard uh, which is something our legs are used to doing. It's not like we're making brand new uh, attempts, um, you know, to do things that we're never meant to do. Like humans were never meant to wiggle a mouse all day, and so we get um, we get uh, problems with our uh, ligaments and joints, tendons because of that. Uh, but sprinting is something that, um, while one can, one should, and so I'm definitely going to keep on. <clears throat> doing that, and I need to remind myself, of course, you know, have I sprinted, and of course it can be harder when it's starting to become fall now, where it's darker at night time, uh, but I do have a straight space with uh, no curves, and the road is flat, so I might potentially have that ability, and maybe Strava's going to help me out, because Strava does show how fast you go, and what your um, altitude is, as well as uh, your mapping of where you went. And another thing is when uh, I like to just hit the courts and play a little uh, basketball or just shoot around but I'm starting to uh, recognize that as I get uh, stronger I can uh, try to jump and then shoot the ball which is a lot more requiring more core strength than just shooting while your feet are on the ground already. So these are simple things that you can do like run and shoot baskets, and then it's uh, you can just take it to the next level. Which um, uh, this is, you know, obviously this reskilling uh, event is to challenge uh, anyone to go to the to the next level in all things, including that in that way. Another fitness aspect is that uh, I finally went to the health center, which is just a few blocks away, and they had. I found out that it's free yoga instead of a dollar yoga. And so now I went a couple of times, and that's great. And then there was something that stopped me, prevented me two times in a row. And then now I get news that uh, they're stopping it until uh, January. So (coughs) I'm going to miss it. But there is yoga other places, and I really recognized how tight I am and how good uh, yoga is for me not only at the yoga classes, but also I can do those either at home or waiting at the grocery store, uh, do something nonchalantly, which will um, help me uh, to stay loose, because in all of our lives, uh, everything we do tends to just tighten us up. Let's see. Okay, that's what I have to say about sickness. And now my next slide is on another topic that I've been learning about too they're thinking about and want to uh, share with, and that it has to do with some uh, food hacks. So everybody eats food, and everybody pretty much has all the food they would ever want um, because we live in a society that has, over the centuries, tried to make uh, food commodified and super cheap. Um, But it's also easy to... Kind of eat the wrong thing or something like that, or too much of it. So the idea I've had this last couple of um, months, I guess since I've presented anything at this uh, venue, is to uh, to start um, adding a whole bunch more uh, spice, making sure that it's spicy. Uh, either you know, there's all kinds of ways to spice things. But uh, you don't tend to necessarily want to eat all that much if it's kind of too high, too spicy to eat a lot of it. So uh, a thoughtful person would uh, potentially limit calories uh, with healthy uh, spices. I'm working towards that. There's 70 or 80 different techniques towards making things more um, changed up so that uh, you don't necessarily want to eat... Uh, so much that it makes you too full etc and another aspect uh along that same line too is um is uh adding water to peanut butter because peanut butter makes everything taste really good no matter what it is it's very um the thailand has really maximized the peanuts peanut butter all the peanuts and all they've done that for a long time, and it tastes really good, of course, uh, and I've recognized that peanut butter is a healthy fat and it's cheap, and it goes a long way uh, so my tendency would be obviously to maybe put a little too much peanut butter on there, or maybe it's too hard to um get a fork into the into the peanut butter bowl or I started using the back of the spoon instead of just spooning it because the peanut butter sticks to the inside of the spoon in the concavity, uh, so, but if you turn the spoon around you can get rid of the, uh, you can spread the uh, peanut butter around so much uh, easier, especially if you put the uh, peanut butter into hot food, the hottest possible food before you dilute it with anything else that's cool or room temperature. Uh, it's a good way to spread the peanut butter around because it melts in the heat of the food, and in, just in general, uh, adding water uh, is turns like uh, say some sort of a um, you know, some sort of a mixed vegetable medley. It turns it into a stew or a soup, and so uh, you know I crock pot uh, lots of vegetables and then. Uh, and just add a whole lot of water to the, uh, the vegetables after they're cooked. I don't have to have so much water when I'm crock-potting the vegetables. It's kind of concentrated in the crock-pot. And then uh, in the bowl, I just add a lot of, uh, of water. And, uh, and then, you, then I kind of add lots of... Uh, what I choose is I um, add a lot of salt, which is a particular kind of salt, which is potassium salt, potassium salt, potassium salt, And it's available at uh, any grocery store. I think it's Morton's, uh, like, light salt. And it's uh, half potassium, half sodium chloride. And I I eat so much of that stuff. And I just got another health um, appraisal. And my uh, cholesterol and uh, blood pressure are very good, and I've been eating lots of this potassium chloride you know, type uh, salt for a while. And uh, so those people who say, oh, you can't have salt, probably shouldn't have a lot of sodium chloride, because it does swell your arteries. But uh, the potassium chloride, uh, with a little bit of sodium chloride, is kind of just fine, I'm not a doctor. I have no authorization to say that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, at the bottom of the of the slide, I did find an instance where I was looking through a book about a tiny house, and it said, "If a tiny house, if you're over by a sea, you can eat seaweeds. Seaweeds provide mostly potassium chloride instead of sodium chloride, almost." Any fresh, non-rotting seaweed can be collected, dried, powdered, and used as salt. They taste like table salt, but milder, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's cool that tiny house people figured out that potassium chloride through seaweed, which concentrates it substantially, uh, is, is a way to go. So good for them. Uh, and I found a real good, nice little website. I guess it's called Homestead and Chill for lots of food hack ideas. <clears throat> there are a dime a dozen on the Internet, so it's perfectly fine to just grab and go. A um, couple other ideas for food hacks are to um, get some tea and then put it into... A big container with water, and then stick it in the sun. The sun will heat up the uh, tea because it's the, dark, the tea's dark, and the sun makes the tea bags uh, hot, and then disseminates into the water. So there you have lots of tea, and then if you add that a little bit of orange juice to add uh, you know, sweetness as well as some vitamin C, and then you can also put lemon juice in it, which adds tang sourness Uh, it's almost vinegary Uh, so that then again it becomes something you're not going to want to wolf down but you can kind of sip it but it's very um, healthy and interesting for sure and every time you do it the batches are all different Uh, so you don't really ever know what you're going to be drinking although all of it is going to be good whereas if you drink anything out of a a bottle or a pop can, it's supposed to taste exactly the same every time, and it's kind of almost like a pacifier, because uh, you know what you're getting, and it's a sense of uh, stability in a crazy world, and another thing that I'm looking at in terms of food hacks is adding more flax, seeds, flax, to my diet, Uh, it'll bring up the omega-3 fatty acids in your and your blood quite a bit relative to the omega-6 fatty acids which are in normal uh, fats like vegetable oils or animal fats. They're just high in omega-6. The only thing that high in the omega-3 is flax seeds, flax and seaweed. And then fish have lots of omega-3 fatty acids in them because they eat the seaweed. And then they buy... By uh, translation, are full of omega-3 fatty acids because they eat the seaweed. So, but uh, here in Portland, uh, Kentucky, Louisville, we're nowhere near seaweed, <clears throat> so we have to look at uh, flax, which is a little bit probably easier. We can, it grows uh, within about 300 miles year here, so ideally, uh, and so then you can buy whole flax seeds. And then I went to Walmart and bought a coffee grinder and stick flax seeds in there and buzzed them. And uh, then I can refrigerate the uh, flax seed powder because it does oxidize and lose some of its omega-3s in, when it sits out a lot. So it's better to only buzz that which, you know, to make a, a pouch full rather than uh, several pounds of it. And then uh, it doesn't taste like kind of anything. So then you want to put lots of salt and peanut butter, et cetera, et cetera, um, on your flax uh, powder in order to make it uh, taste good with any other um, vegetable or whatever that you decide to uh, eat with it. So those are things that pretty much uh, clarify for me uh, what good, uh, healthy um, you know, food hacking is, is all about. And, um Willing and wanting to share with anybody uh, who who wants to hear um, that cool the next slide has to do with a different kind of tea it 's called compost tea, and if anybody has the same problem as me it 's one thing to generate compost because you are Uh, You know, rinds and uh, apple cores and uh, grass clippings. You put them all in a pile and let it sit there for uh, an amount of time that uh, makes it so it turns into really rich soil. Uh, You can throw the the rich soil right on top of the dirt if you want to, you know, the garden. Another way to do it is if you uh, want to, um, you know, give that nutritive compost to the uh, roots and leaves immediately leaves to make compost tea. So take some compost, stick it. Well, the internet says you know buy a, a, a bubbler and let it bubble for a long time, and it sounds really expensive and tedious. So my idea uh, will be now to. Uh, start using compost just generally by throwing it on the ground or where I want plants to grow, but also to take a small, take a, a tray and put like a little bit of compost on the bottom and then fill it with water and then let the bacteria uh, bubble and bubble and bubble and it won't be so deep so that therefore there will be some airflow, um, which you don't need necessarily a bubbler if you have uh, shallow <clears throat> low tray, and then when you have bacteria having um, decomposed and uh, you know taken the, uh, the compost to the cleaners, you take that liquid then and pour it on leaves and pour it in the dirt around the plant uh, specifically then uh, it 's it's really great for uh, growing better vegetables. I have to say that I am very much guilty of the hope that whatever soil I have is good enough and I'll just water it enough, water it, and then somehow the plants will learn to grab nutrients from the soil because Kentucky soil is so good. Uh, But I'm starting to believe that maybe that's just really not true and I have to start investing in giving plants what they will give back to me in terms of vegetables and fruits which is have to give them nitrogen, have to give them phosphorus, uh, and then they'll give that back to me in terms of uh, amino acids and complex carbohydrates of their fruits and vegetables. Uh, In this picture about compost tea, uh, I do wanna share, there's a a picture of someone putting compost tea on vegetables, yay, which is the idea. And uh, the other picture in the lower left is uh, all the wording of all the different kinds of uh, micro-environments uh, that are present in, uh, under the soil where the roots are, and there's lots, lots of nematoids and protozoa that are useful. There's microarthropods, there's bacteria, fungi, and mycorrhizae. All of those things are not the plant itself, but they are nutritive to the plant Uh, because they create an excellent uh, environment for growth, and so compost adds not only to the roots but to the health of all the um, living things that are in the soil, which is kind of weird, I mean awesome, and I guess the first half inch is where most of the activity uh, is, at least that's what someone said. And then. Um another thing that has practical um value right here in Portland or anywhere on the planet is that uh the virtue of wood chips can be um again reiterated just this last week uh you know I asked a neighbor hey when you have a bunch of wood chips you want to just dump them and then um uh, so now there's lots of of wood chips some wood chips that I have have been kind of rotting all summer, and they're good for putting on um, gardens. And then there's the newer, fresher wood chips, which can be used for pathways if you put, uh, um, um, uh, that's, what do they call? cardboard boxes down on the ground, and then you put wood chips over them, then it's a great pathway, and it's a lot, really hard for uh, weeds to break through uh, that for a lot of reasons. So, uh, <clears throat> and if if trees, shrubs, etc. get chipped through a wood chipper and uh, dropped and used locally, uh, then the local uh, gar- um, yard and dirt will be remain healthy and uh, more nutritive. And also, you don't have to pick, take a truck out to some landfill and just dump the uh, dump the wood there, which is kind of a waste, so uh, wood chips is the way to go. I think there also is the ability to buy your own uh, wood chipper and then just chip your own wood, but that's kind of a little bit, probably too expensive. maybe, I'm not sure, especially when you can get, you know, two or three truckloads of it uh, just by asking someone, and it's there on your porch next to... So the next uh, life hack I have has to do with, I guess, uh, maybe house hacking, and uh, so in terms of uh, having a life hacked house, uh, going barefoot is always a good idea if you have the ability to, and uh, one thing that happens is that if you live in an environment where there's lots of Dirt, or you uh, are, have dirt everywhere, and your feet get dirty too because you're wearing sandals or something like that. You can go to Walmart. They uh, wash basins are either a dollar or a dollar fifty, depending upon uh, what size and quality you want. That's pretty cheap, so you, it's pretty easy to fill uh, that with water and rinse off your feet uh, if you're really done for the day, for instance. So that's kind of uh, one dream I have, and I've purchased, uh, purchased the basins and look forward to um, soaking my feet at uh, proper times. Also, it's great uh, to soak your feet uh, more than once in a while and softens up your toenails, if you want to clip your toenails um, while they're soft. And another thing that I'm trying to do, which is... Mm, which may be out of context here is making time to swim. Okay, uh, I think that it, you know not only just everybody should learn how to swim and um, swim as often as you can. Uh, but me personally, you know, if I have a YMCA, they all have uh, pools, and it's pretty uh, advantageous to use them uh, just for exercise and just to be good at swimming. Because I do canoes, so if I do have a reason that I need to um swim ashore or something that that's uh, not like something I haven't done for a, a long time and uh yeah I, that's that's where i want what I wanted to say with that, I guess, and then one more life a house hack uh, has to do with uh the burning sun, and it gets very uh very, very hot. And it's nice to have. A, 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 like wearing white clothing, that's fine. But also on your head and your face and arms and things like that. Um, if you do wear, if you do uh, use an umbrella, the umbrella will instantly, obviously, give you shade. Uh, but if it's windy at all, then the umbrella will get uh, sucked up. So the idea would be to find an umbrella that cuts, like, a lot of the sun, but maybe not all of it, in terms of a lace or um, some sort of a, uh, mesh, and I haven't really seen it. I've seen it uh, in England, maybe, with parasols or France, whatnot, um, but we're, I guess we're probably going to be getting to the point where the sun is just getting way too dangerous to uh, be... Um, out in it for very long, even when you're on a bicycle. and A bicycle would use one of these things nicely because uh, an umbrella will only uh, will slow you down if you're on a bicycle, of course. Um, so if you can um, start, we can start using that and cultivate that. You can do that. Oh, so I don't know how to do that though. Uh, I haven't really seen them um, other than just. Um, rain umbrellas so I have to stay tuned for that and I don't I know, have a, have a life, ta- life hack for that other than just purchasing something made in China um, that's you know, a mesh umbrella or something like that but it's definitely on my mind for reasons stated and then it uh, looks like I want to move into something called health and uh, sports health and sports, which is different from my previous slide on fitness, I'm sure. So one thing I wanted to share is that this summer I definitely got hurt um, by falling off my bike uh, onto a big backpack with books in it and really hurting uh, my rib area, and that took about six weeks to um, resolve, Uh, and I'm pretty much resolved of that but it was a lot of uh, sensitivity, a lot of healing. Um, so what's weird is if you do mess up your ribs, there's a lot of popping and grinding and clicking uh, that happen while it's um, healing itself. But uh, ribs have been around since the dawn of time. In fact, trilobites, which are the oldest first um, fossils uh, that are down in the uh, falls of the Ohio here, um, they have, they had ribs, and you can easily see their ribs. And so it's one of the first things that um, Mother Nature figured out. It's like, yeah, ribs. So the fact that humans get hit by and really hurt their ribs, and then they kind of miraculously come back, it's like, yeah, that's what we do. Some ribs are made of bones, and some are made of cartilage. And then there's just swaths of several layers of different kinds of oblique um, stomach muscles that um, fit in there too. So it's it's pretty, pretty cool. And uh, let's see. Uh, um, one thing that I'm always struggling with is, is shin splints. So I get some relief sometimes if I uh, put my knees together or put my toes together or lift up the outside of my foot uh, or if I put some put my uh, foot on a brick and if I'm sitting down and then just wiggle it back and forth Uh, a lot of different things to do Uh, it's just normal techniques for shin splint um, um, don't go away shin splint removal uh, like normal stretching life hacks right there uh... let's see Okay, another life hack I've uh, found, I don't know if I've mentioned it, but I've been doing it for a few months now, is to, if I wanted to get some good exercise and maybe wanted to interact with someone that I don't even know, never met before, uh, in a strange environment, um, I go ahead and I just say, can I get your rebounds for you, if you want to do some three-point shots, and everybody really seems to like to do three-point shots, so I grab the ball um, wherever it, uh, it veers off to because uh, it careens every different direction when you're rebounding. And uh, to, be, to be ready uh, to get the ball back to the three-point shooter as fast as possible and as accurately as possible It's a chore and it certainly does wear you out so you get good exercise. Um, doing a variety of things, whereas the shooter just sits there and does one thing. So I I think that's pretty um, beneficial in terms of uh, sociality and exercise at the same time. Uh, There is, on this slide I have a picture in the lower center, a picture of a really old tractor and I found it when I was really tired on a freeway, coming from A, going to B, and uh, I said, let me just use that as a jungle gym, so I went around the outside, um, and uh, keeping my feet off the ground, uh, just kind of went around it a couple of times, and uh, got some great exercise, and still trying to not hurt myself, um, poke myself or something on the metal parts. Uh, so it's kind of uh, cool that you can just create opportunities for exercise, um, <clears throat> parkour, I guess, uh, anywhere, and it uh, certainly wakes you up if you're uh, if you're tired. And you can go uh, another hundred miles uh, by doing some parkour on an old tractor. Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of uh, health sports uh, was that. I recently did a, a nearly 5K here at, in Portland. I think a lot of people did. There's like maybe 90 people that ran on uh, September 28th. And I turned on my Strava and I was able to, uh, again, see my uh, results as I uh, traversed the raceway. And so that's always um, fun to see and also good opportunity to track uh, improvements that you have over time. So uh, you don't need any special equipment, you just need a cell phone with GPS and uh, it can do a lot for you, which is great. And then I tie that into um, benefit plan with uh, insurance and uh, you get benefits for uh, working out if you upload uh, to their site. And another cool thing I found while exercising at the Y in, I guess, Wisconsin, was that they had an interesting uh, weight apparatus in the weight room area, and it said if you really want some uh, ideas about how to use it, you can use... Uh, you can use the uh, oh gosh I forget what the what the uh thing's called, but it's a bunch of squares and uh, black and white uh, squares that allow the uh, computer to image it and then uh, figure out what website to go to. And uh, whatever it's called, it's just going to be ubiquitous, and I think it's uh, it's the way to go in terms of just uh, slap one of those on and people can then, uh, read what it says rather than actually having uh, lots and lots of words. It just focuses you to a uh, little bit of words and then maybe links to other, um, uh, more involved instructions, etc. so So uh, nice to see a combination of uh, a really heavy lifting environment and then kind of a heady uh, website gathering. So it's, it's going to be more and more like that in the future, I think. And uh, I think I've probably um, uh, penned a article in the Portland Anchor a couple of years ago uh, about just that idea. So uh, it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. Then I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the city in general, Uh, so the next slide uh, is a great picture of Google Maps in 3D uh, with the uh, satellite view, and it shows that uh, Portland is very full of green, vibrant trees on the far side, which is the west end of Portland. But the uh, east end of Portland is hardly any trees, and it's just a lot of buildings. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but it sure is stark that there's nothing going on in terms of trees. So, um, well, I think I almost wrote an article about that in the Anchor, but decided uh, not to. But I still might in the future, of course. Uh, but it's pretty interesting how you, you can grab, gather information about uh, the city, either uh, neighborhood-wise or even house-wise, uh, from Google. So use it all the time, please. As a society, we should be very savvy in that regard. And then uh, uh, the whole idea of paint the bridge is what I've said here, which is... Um, uh, we just i think downtown has their uh, second street bridge has just now finished painting, and that's that's nice and all um, so I think that might be the trendy thing to paint um uh, bridge apparatuses so there's some uh over sort of there's some bridge areas that can be painted uh in portland i think and um you know, certainly underpasses under the trains, um, on Northwestern and uh, bank and Portland uh are easy uh wins and uh we can kinda of maybe go from there, but uh you know, it's something that we can do that would make an impact uh, that everyone would see and be proud of I guess. Then there's the next slide. Has to do with my most recent article in the Portland Anchor, and it, uh, it's called "Freedom Fly Freedom fries my hot take, and I think it has to do uh, with the idea of once we say that we are we're freedom, we lovers, we love our freedom, is that uh, that's kind of been used uh, against us to individuate us and then make us uh, indebted. Etc. cetera, honestly, uh, so you know, you can have a huge loan on yourself because you've got the freedom to be um, hugely in debt. Um, so take that which is free around us, and then I do talk quite a bit about what uh, things don't have strings attached uh, that we can um, use uh, while being mindful of um, uh, big gotchas that can happen when we... Um, use the idea of, you know, of uh, trying to tout freedom too much. So uh, that was that article, done and done. And then the next article, previous month, uh, was a uh, Holler in the Hollow, Echoes of Trees Gone By. And uh, ha has to do with um, taking some old logs that are in the, Riverbank, and haul them up and uh, put them in our parks and celebrate the fact that we're really close to the river and we can have great old logs uh, because we're like no other um, neighborhood or our parks are unique in that regard so we should go for it. So uh, that's pretty... Um, I like that article and uh, anybody can read it either here on this PDF or uh, in the Anchor from maybe September. Or you can um, look it online. I think it's uh, available, too, if you search it on Google. So then uh, I think I've got just a whole lot of slides about pictures that I've taken over the last several months and said, wow, that's a cool picture. And uh, I want to share some of them. Uh, The first one, and I should really number these slides, uh, but it looks like on this PDF it's slide number 16. Uh, It's uh, trimming branches uh, from trees still allows the the, uh, cooling effect because the top branches uh, are hitting the hot sun and the, down below it doesn't take many feet in order to cool off and that's the beauty of, of trees uh, but you can still uh, have a, a canopy which you can uh, walk under and things like that so there's a kind of a neighborhood in Indiana which thinks it's hot stuff and all the neighbors um, have great um, fun yards that are thoughtful uh, on the lower left you've got a tree that has so many branches have gone from it, um, and that just the top part is available for uh, photosynthesis, so you can see the very interesting pattern of the um, of the uh, branches um, going this way and that, um, which really adds a lot of um, i 'd say beauty. Uh, the picture on the lower right is again in front of our house. And a yard in front of a house, and they just uh, basically chopped the tree up to maybe nine feet and then created a nice uh, flower bed underneath so uh, you know, maybe it 's something that uh, people have known, but what I find is that, like for instance, last night uh, in Lannon Park, I just took a clippers and clipped a whole bunch of overgrown branches that just uh, make the tree inaccessible, and uh, now uh, over the weeks, months, etc., I can tell that uh, they're getting um, much more accessible, and then the city mowers see the attempts, and they then get more vigorous in their mowing and mow closer to the trunk instead of making it a wide berth. Um, Then you're... That slow march towards making it a tree instead of just very large, inaccessible bush that homeless people can either live in or poop or pee there. Um, you know, so the idea then would be to uh, create space in a park environment uh, for uh, enjoying, uh, rather than kind of being watchful of. And the picture on the upper right is, in fact, uh, results at that landing park I just mentioned uh, of trees that were looking really bad down below uh, towards the ground, and I, I just took a, a hand clippers and clipped them, and uh, didn't hurt the tree, and look, they look really pruned now, uh, even though it's only been, you know, two feet uh, that uh, has been uh, pruned to the Um, to the branch, to the core, to the stem, to the whatever it is. I'm getting tired. Um, So trimming branches is something we can do in Kentucky southern Indiana because it grows so much, and uh, it can become uh, wild and crazy, and it provides uh, recreation. Um, And then there's so many needs in the park that pretty much you can kind of do it at will, uh, because there's a lot to be done. You'll notice that the next slide, slide 17 here, is a picture of a tree that is uh, in the rec center, (coughs) Um, and it has all kinds of wonderful uh, handholds for kids to climb, and I don't know that there's a few smaller branches that kind of make it a little bit tougher For kids to climb, so I think my goal would be to get up there and nibble off the tiny branches, uh, so that you know there can be branches towards the outside of the tree where the sun is, and then the inside you don't have these straggly branches, but you have them clipped off so that uh, kids can climb the tree, and you can see that there's so many branches that uh, they wouldn't really fall; they would just you know. Clobber themselves down to the next uh, rung, uh, and therefore uh, kind of have a, the joy of being a kid, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I look at at trees as uh, jungle gyms, like uh, other people may not. Of course, I have to uh, say that uh, I'm not really saying this, and don't come after me if I uh, if, your, if your kid wants to go ahead and do something on um, on a tree and be a little bit half crazy and half drunk and half on drugs and uh, half too tired in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, people have agency and they have to also uh, use sober judgment at all times. Other things relating to, um, I guess, green things that have to do with uh, gardening. So the slide number... 18 has to do with uh, what I've seen in Portland. So upper left is a picture of uh, Love City, maybe 26th and uh, 11, maybe something like that. And uh, they've got a you know a, a plastic house. I think they're called high houses or something like that. And uh, they've also got some raised beds. Uh, just out in the out in the sun, and they've got some dead wood that they've cobbled together and turned it into an archway, so it's very attractive, and it seems to be growing out really well. So good for them for uh, doing uh, good for the community. Apparently, they did get uh, lots of advice from local chefs and say, "What do you uh, what do you want to grow here?" So there's herbs and things like that that. Restaurant chefs can uh, can use so uh, if you ask the right questions you can get good results. The lower left is another Portland picture, uh, another community garden, and I don't there's not really a lot I know about it. Maybe I should uh, stop and read the sign if there is a sign, and so I can learn uh, more about it. But it's somewhere near the habitat. For humanity um, restore yay restore then the picture on the lower right uh is uh, in my backyard there's a uh, several uh stumps that have holes in them, and this the, the holes are filled with dirt and then put a potted put a put a vegetable garden plant in there and So um, the picture on the right is not really thriving all that well, uh, but the picture on the center bottom is when earlier in the summer uh, it was growing uh, quite well, and there was, I think, mushrooms growing uh, in there, too, because mushrooms love um, consuming wood, and so that's quite the uh, microenvironment that was uh, being housed. Uh, in the summer as it uh, it grew so that was kind of a fun experiment which didn't produce any fruit which means I probably needed to put some compost or compost tea on it or something like that, am I right? And then the other more uh, gardening things uh, have to do with uh, here at the library the lower left picture is uh, you know Taking of tomatoes and uh, consuming them because they were just watered, planted, and watered and uh, in the nutrient soil, so that's cool that libraries can turn be turned into that um, can't even see, but it's a little half barrel there. Um, but I did go to um, you know a Wisconsin library earlier this summer, and when I went, I noticed that there was. Uh, a garden at the library, but it was quite substantial and uh, doing very well. Uh, you know, so that's the picture on the right. You've got some all kinds of, uh, of good, good um, garden produce uh, just taken off there. So uh, good, good for them for stepping up and, uh, and going all out in the uh, library environment. So. Since there's a lot of random people that come to libraries, it's a great environment to expose people to things. Another uh, picture of gardens, and then that, uh, after I'm done with my garden pictures, I think I'll uh, I'll stop because I'm running out of time. Here, the library's going to close. In a community garden, neat things can happen. For instance, I went to uh, Minneapolis there's a community garden there. The picture on the left. They put a four-by-four four post in the middle of the garden and put very bright signs that say, May Peace Prevail on Earth? And, gosh, I don't know what it says on the other side. Oh, it says the same thing, but in a different language because it's multicultural there in Minneapolis and um, people with pride uh, from different ethnicities um, and languages um, like to um, say things and maybe talk about peace in all different languages another thing that's present at the community garden there the Cochrane um, community garden is uh, milkweed for the monarchs that's uh, in that picture same picture and also in that same picture is a well tended uh, little library so people can just open up and start reading take a book, leave a book uh, so, and a picnic table as well, So and, and they've got a fence, but it's made out of uh, of wood, a wooden, wooden rail fence there. It's kind of fun. So they've got a lot of assets there that are being uh, utilized. And at that site, there is, and a picture of it at the lower right-hand corner is a little structure with a sign that says, Shares Shelf share shelf. So if you have extra, you can just put it there, and uh, there's a little shade there so it doesn't get burned in the sun. And you can see that there's nothing there since probably people grabbed. And that made me think, huh, I wonder why there's nothing in the share shelf. It could be that there's nothing being produced, or somebody just grabbed it because they love to grab the food. Um, And so part of me says, you know what, if there was community gardens that shared food, the best thing to do would be turnips and beets and rhubarb and things like that, because people wouldn't necessarily want to take that in mass, uh, but they would maybe take some from the share shelf. So that's really a, a thoughtful idea I have in that regard. Okay, this, uh, the next slide in this file is about my canoeing adventures, and I just don't want to get into it. So we're just going to stop right there and uh, leave off, and then next time we will continue on uh, with who knows what. But I do want to now take this time to uh, end the uh, recording. And then uh, yeah. last month I just sang songs all the time, so this month no songs whatsoever because I've got so much to catch up on. So I have my guitar here. Uh, All I have is just my harmonica and my uh, whatever thing that is uh, to uh, take us out because we're gone. Uh, October 2019 uh, reskilling event at the Portland Library Rec Room is uh, formally done. Okay, not to be outdone, I have to go say that if you want to hear about this recording and the audio, and the visual as well, you go to metageny.com slash reskill, just a reminder, and then, um, you know, look for um, new updates, uh, I think, every time on Facebook and the, and the P&I, Portland Now uh, Incorporated uh, Facebook uh, group, you can just see when the next one's going to be if you don't, haven't already put it down in your calendar already. Not even the string of guitar.